Hi, I'm Carla. And I'm Richard. We're the Obies, hosts of the We Do podcast. And co-founders of WeDoRelationships.com. We help people discover the best version of themselves for their significant relationships, even their marriage. Yes, even that. Every week, we share insights we've learned over 20 years of helping individuals and couples. We can help you stay motivated and accountable while encouraging you to find lightness and the connection in your life that we're all after. That's right. We do will help you master simple and elegant ways to withstand adversity in your life and encourage you to make it happen. We believe every day is a great day to share and grow. You probably have a relationship that needs some attention, whether at home or at work. Your breakthroughs and tools await you at WeDoRelationships.com. Nourishing your relationship keeps it alive. Let's get to today's episode. I thought it would be fun to talk about how our retreat went this past weekend. Gosh, it's already been a week, huh? Yeah, it's been a week. It's amazing. And it was such a great retreat. I mean, we put together a retreat about celebrating what's right with your relationship, and it was it was really good. I mean, I think there were, well, we had, in the room, we had a 1,075 years collective wisdom of relationships with all the couples, and but it was, the, you know, I think, I don't know, you know, you never know what draws people to things like that. But I, my, when we were kind of planning this retreat, I was thinking about, uh, you know, that concept of quiet quitting and how couples that sometimes they have a good relationship, but then they just kind of, they don't really invest in it and the years go by and they just slowly, they slowly kind of exit the relationship. And I think avoiding that, you know, celebrating what's right in your relationship and re-identifying things to celebrate, you know, it, it adds more life. It adds fun to the relationship. Yeah, the the quiet quitting concept really got a lot of head nods in the room, especially mm-hmm. when you talked about that that's a phenomenon that's going on in the workplace right now where people are basically doing, in some cases, a minimum. Yeah. Just putting their head down and doing what's necessary and some of the passion may be be lost. I don't think that's a, that's a new phenomenon. I think maybe it's identified more because yeah. of the you know, the pandemic and people doing remote uh, working, but the concept of quiet quitting and doing what's minimal definitely translates into the relationship. If you're doing a minimal thing or you're not moving forward, they say you're moving backwards. I don't believe that's the case, that you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. I believe that if you're going to be intentional in spurts, and that's what people do with retreats, it's like the 10,000-mile checkup. Basically, 75% of them had been there before. Yeah. And it was kind of cute. One couple came because they saw a little, a little YouTube thing and they wanted to, to come and it was wonderful to, to see them. We're not going to use names. We're not going to, we're going to respect the uh, confidentiality of the retreat. We talk about, you know, what's in those groups, which is amazing is when they share things, you know, they keep, they keep it in, in the groups. I just thought that enthusiasm and the courage that people take to come to these retreats, to work on their relationships, to work on their connection. They're coming in places where maybe some people are, you know, 
maybe 10% connected right then. I mean, not everybody, but some people are in a bad state. Some people yeah. are in a, cha a challenging state. And but, the fact that they the, come to these places is pretty, yeah. pretty awe-inspiring. And we acknowledge that. We, we celebrated that. We all kind of celebrated that together to start our, the retreat of celebrating what's right now. And part of that is being present. They say in sales, the best thing you can do in sales is to show up, right? And, and in this case, people showed up. Yeah, I mean, that's the intention that I think keeps you know, relationships alive, you know, when they are starting, you know, I think it's normal for things to ebb and flow into sort of a dormant stage, but when it stays dormant and people are together, you know, they're almost feel entitled to this relationship just because they got married or, you know, made a commitment to be together. It's not a guarantee, you know, you have to invest. It's like you have to keep investing. And retreats are a really fun way to do it. Well, the retreat kind of takes a, a, a sharp turn, I think, from the perspective of what are we doing to help enhance the relationship with each other when we know you cannot be present for somebody else if you're not working on the relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of takes a little bit of a, um, like, oh, okay, <laughs> I have to do something here. I have to reflect. I have to con consider what's going on. And the start of it, which I think it might be a good way to kind of back up a little bit here and say why the title of, you know, celebrating what's right. We did it under like this HOPE acronym was our planning background. It wasn't necessarily... Mm -hmm explicit in the retreat, but it was something we kind of kept. It's, in other words, what's the hospitality in our own hearts and our own relationship and our own ability to kind of hold space for ourselves. And the ovation was lauding ourselves, which we don't necessarily do a lot. We don't even have a lot of techniques for that, but we did during mm -hmm. the retreat. And then the presence was kind of throughout. You gave a lot of the techniques that you've branded candidly about how to get present and how to come back, mm -hmm. when, especially when there's adversity. Our mm -hmm goal, our mission is to, you know, have life-giving relationships that withstand adversity. And then the enjoyment, you know, what do you do with that? So that was kind of the flow of the, of the weekend. But I, but why, why celebrate what's right? I mean, you've, you've, that's something that's so critical you see with your clients, mm -hmm. you know, in therapy, I see with coaching, we see that with couples coaching mm -hmm. that we have. What, what, what spurred you to, to do that? I know you think long and hard about that. I mean, I kind of know, but maybe those that are listening would like to hear. Mm -hmm. I think it's so easy, especially when, when couples get to a point where they think they have to go to therapy, there's usually been a lot of, uh, I mean, it, it, unless you're proactive, which I have so many great proactive clients that want to just continue to nourish their marriage. And they look at, just like many individuals look at therapy now as more of a, um, mental health, you know, um, you know, you, it's like about mental health, not mental illness. So, so it's like going to the gym, you go to therapy. It's like a way of strengthening your, you know, emotional self. And I think couples tend to go to therapy when there's, you know, trouble. And so then they think when they come in that they have to just talk about everything that's gone wrong. And certainly like when you go to the doctor, you want to say there's pain here, you know, it's like, it's, it's my arm's hurting and here, there, everywhere. It's yeah. Like and it's like, you want to, you kind of need to assess what's, what's happening. You know, what, 
And so the focus then becomes what's wrong versus what's right. And there's always something that's right. You know, there's always a strength or something that brought them together or something uh, that is worth celebrating. And so I think the retreat, you know, focused on that, especially, you know, after a couple years of um, pandemic stuff, then people are ready to celebrate again. Well, they were. Yeah. They were. They were ready to celebrate. I mean, it was decorated. The balloons were everywhere. Everyone had different things they picked out of what we called a pick a party prop, you know, yeah. with with, with uh, tambourines to streamers to poppers to cowbells. Cowbells. They always needed more cowbell. It was fun. And, they, and that helped them to get into their groups. I think this whole idea of, okay, I have this negative thoughts and negative patterns about myself and what's going on in my life and we are constantly fighting that, we have to kind of sit in and lean into this idea and the pursuit. And it's interesting, I'm looking at that word that just popped out at me on the wall, the pursuit of what is right in your life and what is right with you. And that's where we started. It was individually. And so they, they began with an exercise and we shared some stories that we go right into it. We flow into the a story that kind of connects our humanity with mm -hmm. theirs. Yeah, you know, personal journey. And with each other. It's yeah. it's not easy to share those things candidly. I mean, no, some of those vulnerable. things we shared are yeah. are difficult, you know, and they, they come back in a way that we wonder how it's being received and we find out later how it's how it's being received. Mm -hmm. But we get into it and share it and that's part of what I think makes it real. So we started with what's going on. Where are we right now? And we started with you talking about that and then, and me talking about that. I don't know how much you want to get into that about the whole, what, what you spoke, because that was pretty tender for that retreat. Mm -hmm. But I guess the overarching thing that I saw was being really honest and reflective and what action you're taking as responding to where you believe you are Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And I think it's like getting a pulse of the relationship for the here and now, not what it used to be or what you think it should be or what it's going to be, but who we are as individuals and how that, how we, how that impacts our relationship and, you know, how we might fall in love again, you know, with each other. Through ourselves. Yeah for for ourselves for one another you know fall in love with ourselves again just claiming what is who we are now yeah. because we we are always growing and changing we can't help it i mean life circumstance kind of dictates different things and we you know we roll with the punches or we don't we get injured or we keep going or you know we find new ways to you know, nourish ourselves and nourish our relationship. And I think, yeah, I think it is a very, uh, it's a very vulnerable thing to do to go inward to who you are now, to accept who you are now, but I think to also offer to one another who you are now and how can we be the best partner for each other right now. And one of the things that we did on the retreat that I, I think really helps with that is that everyone created their own dating profile, which is kind of funny, you know, for, especially, you know, some, some of the couples on the retreat, you know, that's how they met, you know, was through online um, dating, which is so fun, you know, but to renew for some, <laughs> for some, 
But to renew and to ask yourself some of those questions, you know, our daughter helped us with, you know, what's really on the current dating profile. So we were able to ask them to, you know, we, we separated the guys and the girls just so that it would be more private. And we, um, yeah, we just had them answer and create their own dating profiles. And luckily they got matched up with the same partner yeah. <laughs> that they came in with. So some of those questions, I, um, just to share what, what some of those were is that my, one of them is my simple pleasure is, you know, my self care routine is, my most irrational fear is, you know, one thing you should know about me is, mm -hmm. I mean, these are people, some of them married 66 years. Well, yeah. And I think some of these questions, you know, the answers change, Yeah, you know, over the years, you know, what your greatest fear is might be very different now than it was when you first got together. Um, as are all the questions, any, you know, question about, um, what we like and what we don't like, it, it changes over time. It doesn't stay the same. It's not a constant. Especially when you say, I want someone who, yeah. you know, what is that? It's like, oh, what do I say there? Do I say what I, my partner wants to hear? Do I say, or what do, what do I want? Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting that way. The dorkiest thing about me is, some people said, I never do a dorky thing. Of course, that was immediately <laughs> shot down by their partner. And my greatest strength is, and so this is a individual journey. This is an individual reflection, an individual contemplation. The action though, which was, we stopped after we asked what was right for them now individually, and then they filled this out. And there was some other exercises we did is some of them hadn't, there's a break of like three hours where people go hiking and those type of things. Or in some case we had a, a hand massage, which was pretty incredible where they would go through that. But I, one of the things that, that kind of stuck out for me was that some people hadn't shared what they said of what's right now and their dating profile with each other yet. Mm -hmm. And some did, and some were kind of, and it was not like we, we said, we, said, oh, you have to do this. We did that later to make sure we created a space because, you know, that's what you do on retreats. You want to put yourself in a place of greatest potential to do something maybe that you don't normally do. Mm -hmm. You don't normally do at home or, you know, you don't have this piece or this place where you're very intentional. So they were sharing these things and the, the connection of sharing those things was visible. That's the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were all over the place yeah. on the grounds. I mean, it's a beautiful place with look overlooking yeah. mountains and oh valleys, God, yeah. but they were sharing these things. And it went, after that, that's when this couple had married 66 years and she lovely woman was in a wheelchair and she held my hands and looked me in the eyes and said, you two are helping us to discover things about our marriage and helping us things that we didn't do ever in our marriage. And and we just looked at each other and it was part of that, not only an affirmation, but it actually shows that anytime, anywhere, there's putting yourself in those opportunities for change and connection can happen. No matter how long you've been together, yeah. no matter and that brings how, up, how much water you think is under the bridge. Yeah. Right? That brings up such a good point because on these weekends of retreats, you know, people show up for different reasons and... But the the difference, you know, between the, the amount of time people have been married or 
just, you know, the age that people are. It's just so cool to have someone married that long on a retreat, but also someone married for, you know, two and a half years or whatever together, you know, for just a really short period yeah. of time that, you know, where there are different stages of life and different, and they have something to offer each other, which is so, such a beautiful thing to see and, you know, be inspired by these couples on the weekend. One of the things you brought back up that I thought was great for people to re remember is that when we are in that place of challenge, you know, in a relationship or we're having some kind of a, and we call it emotional flooding, emotional Armageddon, or just frankly that we can't think straight because we're, our, our heart rate's up or we're elevated or we just want to disengage and go hide. Mm -hmm. You know, this, it shows up in different forms for different people. Some mm -hmm. people get quiet and timid. Some people get very elevated and they want to scream louder than the next person to get their point. Or they're simply not listening might be the, the flood. Mm -hmm. But I thought the tool of actually doing that and say, let's do this exercise right now when you were mm -hmm. doing the NBA and the notice breathing allowing and then mm -hmm. the time, mm -hmm. the T-I-M-E, was bringing back the presence as maybe throughout so that you can say these tools are there. Mm -hmm. Because we've said that before, and I don't know who, there's no one I can attribute this quote to, but I, it's, it's actually right, right over there, you know, is that peace is not, you know, going to a place that has, you know, void of conflict or noise or disruption or, or, or challenge. It's being in the midst of those things and having a calmness in your mm -hmm. heart. Well, we can't, at least I'll say that with us, we can't connect and go forward and address something that is really challenging to us unless we have some kind of a calm space to do it. Because if we don't, we're just going to get into a flywheel mm -hmm. of the challenge. So while we're celebrating what's right, we were saying, here's how you get present. Mm -hmm. And part of the, I thought was really well received by the couples was the ABCs of emotional flooding management, mm -hmm. which was actually creating a safety plan. And you always say this, and I think it's so critical. And I was just talking to my, my sister about this um, just recently about a safety plan. And the thing that she kind of heard more than anything in our conversation when she was asking about it was this idea of practicing when it's not necessarily or sometimes when it doesn't count, whatever the mm -hmm. words you want to use for that is, so that you'll be ready when it does. Yeah, I mean, that's the best time to, like on a retreat when you're not fighting, is a great time <laughs> to put together a, a safety plan for what you know is inevitable. Like, it's going to happen. We all have conflict and our heart rates, you know, go up or we get angry or upset or anxious and, and it's hard to manage emotional flooding during that time. So figuring out what are we going to do the next time this happens is such a great thing to do when you're at a retreat because all is well with the world when you're, especially where we were on top of a mountain, beautiful surroundings and it's nice, you know, but they're going to go back and they're going to have to use the plan that they put together, um, you know, as, as emotional flooding occurs and as real life kind of hits. But I think before, you know, sometimes people, the, the NBA, and which is notice, breathe, and allow, which is a, a present moment practice that is so helpful when one partner is upset and the other one's not to practice notice, breathe and allow to know that 
something's happening. It's not, maybe it's, maybe it's for me and maybe you're upset and I'm not. And I notice that you're upset and I breathe and I, and I notice we're separate and I allow, yeah. you know, you to do what you need to do and me to be separate from Being that. Being the spinning top or the Tasmanian yeah, devil, I mean, or whatever can, version it is. Yeah. <laughs> I can be supportive of you, especially if I'm not in it. If we're both that way, yeah. then, you know, we have to use, I think, the the, the tools for self-compassion. Because when we can soothe each other, it's, it's a lot different. Yeah. But when we are upset with each other, we have to really find a way to have self-compassion. Which I think, you know, it's, it's something people talk about, but... A practice around it is what we tried to teach, which, and again, that's practicing using it when it doesn't matter so that you can, um, you know, use it when it, when it does matter. And those times when we're upset with each other and we need to find support, we can create that ourselves through self-compassion. And the, the practice that we, um, have is called time, which is, um, yeah, I know, love this. I love it. Yeah, it's just using the letters T I M E to remember how to do it. And the first one is T, and it's like this is tough. This is a moment of suffering, is what Kristen Neff says in her research around self-compassion. That you know, life is is full of suffering, and this is one of those moments. This sucks, whatever it is. And I like to put my hand on my heart just because there's a skin-to-skin contact that can promote you know, some of those endorphins and, or, you know, hormones that make us feel, you know, relaxed, but you can put your hand on your hand just to know I'm with me, you know, or hands on your lap, just a way of connecting with yourself. The T and then the I is I'm not alone. You know, life is full of suffering and other people are in relationships and they're suffering too. They're, you know, in conflict right now or, and you sort of create this in invisible community around yourself like mm. so that you're not alone because there's nothing worse than feeling isolated and alone as though this is you're the only one you're not we all you know go through this and so remembering in that moment i'm not alone um and the m is for a mantra like may i be kind to myself may i have courage um may i have strength whatever you need and you're asking for you, you kind of put it in you know into action by by claiming it by 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 calling it forth you know um those that have a spiritual connection i mean i i think it's a great time to you know use that as a prayer you know may i have courage may i have strength in in sort of a petition you know um but it's also an intention that you that you claim for yourself and then the e is just to enter the present moment now filled with self compassion yeah i i the part that i think it really resonates with the retreat and we've seen this and you've mentioned it in some some newsletters and we've talked about this is the I am not alone. So this is, you know, this is tough and I'm not alone. It's when people realize it, say the retreat or they're reading something to say, okay, this happens to other people too. Yeah. Not and there's the something ones. collegial about that, right? Yeah. You said this invisible community. I love that, mm -hmm. that deal. I mean, that's kind of the, 
in a way, that's sort of the beauty of, of technology, you know, mm-hmm. Facebook groups or, you know, things that give people joy, you know, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Instagram or real, something that connects a community to something that they laugh at, something that in this particular case, they're saying, I'm not alone with regard to maybe a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because we are trying to correct problems. Most people come to these things and say, you know, I want to enhance our relationship, but it does trigger things, you know, oh, it triggers gosh, things. Yeah. And then they can use these tools to notice, breathe, and allow it to be, allow our separation, allow that person to be there. And that's only trying to fix it. But if they're doing the NBA as well, mm-hmm. then that's great. Or if they're doing the time, again, I just, the reason I'm repeating this, because I keep, I'm, I wanted this hardwired, mm-hmm. you know, with me. I want it hardwired, mm-hmm. you know, that that this is tough and acknowledge that and it helps me to immediately go to my breath. This mm-hmm. is tough. And like, I have to almost say it, mm-hmm. this is tough and I breathe out. Mm-hmm. I'm not alone, that invisible community you mentioned. Mm-hmm. The mantra, which sometimes I forget, is mm-hmm. the mantra. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one I struggle with a little mm-hmm. bit. May I? And I want to race till the end. I want to race to the, uh, the new present moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost trying to trick myself, but the mantra helps me to really lock in mm-hmm. onto, onto the present moment. So that's kind of my yeah. how I've been challenged with it. But, but I think one of the things that I think about the this is tough part is that, you know, that's all, you know, up that that's that's subjective. That's like if it's tough for me. It might not be tough for you mm. or anyone else at the time. It may be I'm going through some stuff today that, you know, you you might not know about, like things that have happened outside of, you know, just being together. Like, you know, it, it could be a multitude of physical symptoms like stomach cramps or a headache or yeah. not eating or, you know, a conflict with someone else during the day or just you know, when the milk spills and you're just like, feel like, God, this day is just something that we don't, you know, claiming this is tough is, it's just, it's a solo journey. It's like nobody else has to validate it. And that's, what's beautiful Mm. about self-compassion. I think is that we're the only ones that have to judge that, you know, that that's, this is tough. We get to, we get to determine what's tough. We don't, we don't need it validated by anyone else, you know? And that's that's a great point. I love that. It's it's so personal and so Yeah. I mean, when you're being vulnerable with yourself of why this is tough, it's 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 a it seems like a space of a lack of judgment in a way, yeah. right? It's your it's almost like your kind observer saying, Yeah, mm-hmm. honey, to yourself, this is tough. Yeah. You know, I I, I wanna pivot a little bit because Sometimes when people are trying to use these tools and acknowledge these things or want to get better in their relationship or want to get better with themselves, um, your partner isn't necessarily doing the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like some of them, well, I'm trying to do all these things. And I've seen a lot of times when, um, and certainly in our, some of our coaching calls, we, we, we see this is that. In this particular case, one of the partners is actually doing things like to create a social network, trying to um, better themselves, trying to do meditation, time to do yoga, time, you know, they're, they're actually doing a bunch of things to help them to be able to get back to the present moment, whether within those tools or in their lives, but the other person isn't necessarily doing it. And they, 
they made me mention, why don't you do yoga with me? Or mm -hmm. why don't you come to a meditation? Why don't you try this? Why don't you read this book? This will mm -hmm. be helpful. And they're trying to get the other person to do it. And I'm going to tell this little story because I was, it's used with permission from my dad, you know, to tell this story. And I shared this at the retreat. And I think it's important when somebody is wanting to do something and maybe the other isn't ready to do that. And by the way, this isn't just in a marital relationship, obviously, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, maybe it's with your child, maybe it's with your sibling, maybe it's with your parents, maybe in this particular case it was with my father. I'm kind of feeling enlightened and doing all the work that we do, you know, with We Do Relationships. And I said to him, you know, hey, I, I want to, you know, sitting down with him in Chicago saying, you know, Dad, I really want to have our relationship go, you know, not just good, but, but really be extraordinary. And he kind of thought about that and saw and he goes, well, what if I don't want that? <laughs> what? What if I don't want that? And it was a little shocking, but I understood that that kind of sounds like work or I'm not going to, it's, maybe it's foo-foo. I mean, this is 80, over 80-year-old, 80 almost an 80-year-old man saying, to say that to him and that, that, what does that mean? You know, I don't know if I want that. It seems too crunchy granola for me and that kind of thing. But I understood it and went back and then to my thought and go, well, what can I do? What could we do? And I think this can be in relationships is that the person that maybe isn't ready, how do you acknowledge where they are and what they're doing? And that's kind of what we did. You know, he's, as you get older, you know, a lot of times, and I certainly see this with parents and I, this is not unusual is that, and I did mention this to my parents before, and they said, yeah, that, that, and I certainly feel that way as a parent. We have, you know, our kids are, you know, in their thirties and, you know, and almost 30. And then we have a 19 year old and, and we want to know that we made a difference. We know we want to know what we did mattered. And he's doing that. You know, he put together this thoughts about his job and all these things. And, you know, about six months after that, conversation, we were reading it as we were on a trip in Oregon and we called him and said, Hey, we're reading your story and we're laughing at this and that kind of thing. And it was, he just was, I mean, you could tell it was like a light bulb was coming through the phone. You know, mm -hmm. we just went to the hurricane museum in, you know, Astoria, Oregon. And it was like, he was a hurricane of light. He was just so excited that we were actually all of us in the car and his grandchildren, you know, basically acknowledging who he was. And then when you had the idea and, and we kind of joined said, well, what if we did a timeline of this? And because we're going to celebrate his 80th birthday and put together a timeline. And then we decided it morphed into, well, let's do 80 questions and make it a game. And so we put the 80 questions together, put them on cards with pictures and put them in this velvet box. And it was like this amazing thing that was put together out of love with pictures on one side and questions on the other. And we, when we were all together on our vacation and celebrating the- We divided into teams. We divided into then, teams, yeah, and it was and like the old- he was like yeah. the end all be all. So he was like, nope, that's not how, that's not the answer. You know, he got to answer <laughs> his own questions, you know, about his life and, and, and really expand on that expand on the stories and actually, you know, kind of create that extraordinary thing that you were looking for in the beginning. Yeah. And it was, it wasn't necessarily this great connection with me, so to speak, but 
I think later on that became more evident of how much he appreciated that mm -hmm. and how, but if, if the light goes on in something else, it's not necessarily we're looking for them to say, oh, you did, it was so great, which he did say and he loved it. He was just amazed by it and it's very precious to him and he keeps it on his nightstand or in his nightstand. So he's mentioned that before and I asked him, you know, can you send it back? I want to take some pictures of it because I know people were asking about it and he goes, oh yeah, but, and then he sent it and he had like 12 of them in a rubber band and said, these were really, really important to me, these questions your ass. Mm -hmm. It was so sweet. And so he, we celebrated him when necessarily I wasn't getting that back with me, so to speak. I mean, that's kind of the reality of it if you kind of step back. But by giving, you receive because what you were doing is having something that brightened his light. And I think we have to understand sometimes in our relationships and our marriages that by lauding and celebrating an ovation, whatever it may be, or lauding them, you're creating a space and you're creating an example of, and if it has to be sincere, it has to be real, that people are feeling that and going, I feel better about myself. And normally when we feel better about ourselves, what happens? We, we are better with others. And so it's, there wasn't like a diabolical scheme here. It was just these, these tangential things. Everyone well, that asked the questions got a better relationship with them. They were, yeah. you know, we and stopped. I think, yeah. I think also we were all fully present uh. during the game. You know, it's like we can go back into that memory because we, we were fully present. I mean, I can remember the essence of that game and everyone laughing and just the, 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 the energy, you know, that we exchanged and uh, because we were fully present. And that was another practice that we did on the retreat that I think is so important is catching those moments, you know, that we're fully present and hanging out in those moments you know, Rick Hansen has done some great research related to the present moment. And if we take, if we really Im immerse ourselves in those present moments, it takes 11 seconds to be fully present to create a memory in our brains. And what's cool about that is that we, we stir up this internal pharmacy within us of feel-good hormones when we go back to great memories. And when we can be fully present in moments, I always say just like add a second or two when you notice something beautiful or, you know, like, like our son, John loves sunsets and he just really immerses himself in the beauty of the colors in the sky. And, you know, he really is fully present in those moments. And I think we can do that in our relationships when we are having, even if it's just cuddling on the couch and just feeling, you know, I think one of the cool things we did on the retreat was uh, a massage therapist came and taught us how to do the hand massage you mentioned earlier. And it was, I'd never, you know, learned how to do that before. And I thought it was such a cool experience. And everyone who was, you know, participating in that, was fully present, you know, and this one guy, dear, dear friend of ours that was on the retreat, he was commenting afterwards and, you know, filled with so much emotion because he was fully a hundred percent present, you know, with his wife. And he said, you know, I, when he was massaging her hands, he, he was filled with the memories of all the meals she prepared and all of the, you know, the, 
the efforts that she made with her hands that he was massaging, you know, for, for their family. And it just created such an intense amount of love for her. He was filled up with all of those memories, you know, as he was ministering to her in that way, you know, through the um, hand massage. Yeah, I thought that was incredible. I mean, the people's response, we asked and put on the table, you know, what did you like more? What's your thing that you tell me about receiving or giving it? And, and a lot of people were saying that they actually love giving the hand massage mm -hmm. more than they did receiving it. And mm -hmm. for various reasons, one yeah, of them was, was the act of giving, the act mm -hmm. of, of administering and maybe ministering to someone's physicality, their spirit, their emotions. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was pretty, it was very intimate. Um, and it was not a long time. I mean, yeah. both, both person did it within, you know, 45 minutes, you yeah. know, and there was, it was very thorough. And it's another way to, you know, obviously, you know, I, I see Carla's toes wiggling sometimes across the room and I know she wants a foot massage because <laughs> I'm number one, she really likes it. And number two, I'm really good at it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So th that's, I want to go back to this, you know, locking in the good mm -hmm. that you talked about with Rick Hansen, you know, this idea of, you know, what fires together, wires together. I think the challenging moments that we have and the difficult moments that we have in life are really the subject of stories and a lot of subjects of books. You know, this tragic event that happened and it's so hardwired in us because we, we thought about it over and over again. Not that that's wrong, but because it was so incredibly difficult. I mean, some of the stories of things that people are going through in, mm -hmm. in the midst of coming to these retreats or working on their own challenges. And I mean, you see that in the chairs in front of you at your office, that it's remarkable that they can deal with all that, but it's, it's burned into their memory because of living that unfortunate, tragic experience over mm -hmm. and over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. And so we tend to ruminate, you know, we can ruminate on something not just reflect on it. The rumination is actually being present again, exactly what happened. So we're trying to combat a little bit of that or having another tool that says, and I think that's what Rick's doing, is that you can provide yourself with some happier locked in moments by as simple as 11 seconds. And it, and it what I thought it's about- It's simple, but it does not come easily. Oh, it no. doesn't come naturally. You know, I think that it really is a practice of the present moment that we have to- First of all, look for the good and then yeah. drink it in and absorb it. You know, it does not, I don't think that's a natural, I mean, I know it's not. Our brains aren't created that way. You know, we're created to protect and, mm -hmm. you know, fight or flight stimulus where if we try to stimulate a little bit more, like I said, that stirring up that internal pharmacy of the feel good emotions versus the, you know, the fight or flight hormones that can make us sick, you know, can really make us feel horrible inside. Yeah. And we need the feel-good hormones too. We need to find ways to manufacture that. Well, you did that um, of actually trying to practice this, this technique, you know, that was new to, I think, everybody there mm -hmm. that, that was in that room. And we like to look at things with new eyes as we're going through it as if we're listening to the first time mm -hmm. as well, because 
we connect with our audience that way and connect with the people in the room because it's a moment of discovery that we share. Mm -hmm. So you ask them to get themselves placed and grounded in the room. Mm -hmm. Think of an event, a connection that they had in their relationship that was so overwhelmingly positive. But remember, they were doing it individually. They were yeah. doing it individually yeah. with their, with their, uh, what their thought was, and they were locked in. And but they were whatever. It may not have been the same thing. They didn't agree on what ahead of time or whatever. But they actually did the practice because this is an individual thing. Sort of like you said, the the time of this mm -hmm. is tough. It's an individual exploration. What was it? Mm -hmm. The power became later when they shared that of what it was. But they did the eleven seconds, and the silence in the room was deafening as people were feeling the joy, mm -hmm. the the shivers, the the um, goosebumps, the 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 the, uh, the good feel hormones that were all there, and then they broke out in groups and they shared what their connection was, and the other people held the space as they shared it with them, and they locked it in for eleven seconds, and they were so respectful of those eleven seconds. Yeah. The next person in the couple said it. The next person in the couple said what there is, and they made their way around, and they were practicing it again. Mm -hmm practicing it again. This is not practicing in the positive first. This is practicing the positive, whatever we can say that. Mm -hmm. we, it's not toxic positivity here. It's not trying to counter something with, oh, yeah, but it's all good. Or, mm -hmm. yeah, this really sucked, but it's no, this is actually saying, wow, our greatest memories that we have that are joyous are ones that we felt the most present at. Mm -hmm. And that's what you taught on that technique and doing that mm -hmm. meditation with everybody is to be present at that moment. I thought it was very, yeah. you did a nice job. Thank you. Very One of the things that I love to do on retreats and didn't really do it, the, I mean, I I love creating a playlist of, of music yeah. and songs and I hope to send the Spotify playlist to um, the people that went on the retreats, but you know, a lot of times music locks it in. You know, when yeah. you hear a song, like when you maybe dance at your wedding to a song, and, you know, every time you hear that song, it rings those bells, you know, it reminds you of that beautiful moment. And using music as a way of connecting us and, and remembering, you know, maybe a concert you went to or just something that, that bonded the two partners. I think it's such a great resource and a great tool. And the other thing I wanted to mention, especially to the people that went on the retreat with us, is there were a couple of, we did, we'd always do like a couple of raffles and, you know, yeah. fun things that, <laughs> right. and, and there were, there were three things just in case people didn't um, catch it. One was a book of, of that uh, Matthew Callens wrote called Wilmer. And that was, uh, that was a gift that that um, somebody got, but the other two were two games, and I just thought, just you can get these on, you know, Amazon or whatever you want. Um, but there's one called uh, Fair Play, which is about household responsibilities. It's like a game, um, which. I've heard is really wonderful. Um, we haven't played it yet, but I hope to. And the other one is called uh, Couples Game. And it's kind of like, you know, remember the newlywed game where you write down your answers yeah. on it? They have yeah. a little, like, whiteboard that you write your answers down and then you reveal it to each other. And uh, so that's that's the other one. It's called uh, Couples Game. So just Everyone seems to like that. And yeah. they, they're... 
their ticket into the raffle was to share like a memory of what was a nice ritual that you had witnessed at say in a marriage or a ceremony that that they thought was pretty cool or or yeah. something that they did you know to celebrate the other people that were at the at the wedding and they came up with just really really cool answers and um as long as we get approval we may share some of those too because <laughs> those were those were pretty cool i think at the end all this after they shared their their thoughts about where they are now, their dating profiles, which, like you said, thank God they matched up with each other, uh, <laughs> and then creating that um, that safety plan. Then they went into the morning before leaving. In as part of get, having all this collective information, is what are things that they want to do on a way of a date night to maybe honor those things and to be aware of those things. And what are they going to do? You know, yeah, six things stick over the, the next. Landing. What's that? To stick the to landing. To stick the landing. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that concept. They were sticking the landing of bringing all that information together and saying, all right, here's what we're going to do with this knowing now. It's one yeah. of the things that... When we go down the mountain, what are we going <laughs> to... Yeah. What are we taking with us? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they, they put that together and they shared that within their groups and someone came up with ideas that maybe someone else didn't have. And the, it spurs the juices. It spurs the creativity. It spurs the... The thought process where you can say, okay, this makes sense for us to do. I like that idea. Maybe we can integrate it and change it. And it creates these moments of consideration, you know, that we can yeah. take and we can, we can learn. And that's why sending out a note later on that we'll do in our follow-up, but also part of this podcast is a way to reconnect with those things. A lot of the tools that we have that we've discussed are in our self-directed online programs that we have, which is, we call it like the essential oils of emotional connection that you have with yourself that you can then have with, with somebody else because... Yeah, it's a fun, easy way to lock in yeah. those concepts and those practices. And, and anybody can it, do that. If they, they can't make it to a retreat, it's there for them yeah. to have their individual focus yeah. and, it's, and it's there. Yeah. It's there on our, on our website and you'll, you'll see it. And also, I just wanted to put this out there that if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I've always wanted to go on a retreat, a couple's retreat, it's like, do it. This is, this is your sign that you should, you should do it. It's a really great way to rejuvenate the, you know, the, the juices of the relationship and, um, We'd love to invite you to our retreats on down the line. Yeah. We'll be having lots more. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We get so much out of it, you know, from an individual perspective. I get so much out of it with the, you know, what I've learned over the years at these retreats is that you can expect something that you didn't expect. You know, that when you think you've got something figured out, the... Uh, the fickle finger of fate comes and taps in your shoulder and say, you don't know everything that's going on in people's lives. And we just don't. It's no. just shocking and beautiful and, humi you know, humbling. Um, sometimes when people are almost slipped on this because of this word, some people share things that are, you know, hum what was humbling in their lives, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, and they ask for us to send the good energy to them as they're, as they're going forward. And mm -hmm. some people want to have couples coaching with us, which mm -hmm. we are honored to be able to do and to help them. And you can sign up for that on there as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm th thrilled that we did it. I love doing it with you. I love seeing you in action. I love seeing you uh, share the stories, uh, intimate stories. And I, I love you. I love you too. So 
Until, Until next, next time, time, take good care. Take good care. We'll see you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode brought to you by WeDoRelationships.com. Now let's make a difference in our relationship with ourselves and others to flourish in today's world. Please share what you learn. Great job. You're taking the time to honor and explore your relationships. We know it's not easy in our busy lives, but it's worth it. You're worth it. Those you love will notice. Great relationships lead to a fulfilled life. It begins with you. Every connection counts. Take good care.